Blog Talk Radio. Sunday. It is Sunday evening. Oh my goodness. November 15th, 2020. Excuse my low, a little bit, especially raspy voice tonight. That's just the way it is tonight. Hope you like it. Um, So if I sound a little mean, don't mind me, except for when I go off on my events, then you'll hear more of that. I think I've got events coming tonight. I'm Tanya Hathaway and I'm your host on Tanya Talks where your voice is heard and your story is told. On Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma. The show tonight is also in collaboration, as usual, with the annual Whistleblower Summit in Washington, D.C. And tonight, Tina Gertz, who you've heard from quite often, and co-hosting with me as well, and us on Oklahomans Incarcerated, True Stories and How They Got There. Uh, we're sharing this show tonight. We were postponed. We had to postpone on Thursday night. Um, so we can't be happier to be with you tonight for this show with Jamie Moore as a guest. If you saw the promo the promotion that is put out on the show. And in case you didn't, we're going to share it right here. Jamie Moore, at the age of 14 years old, faced the death penalty. That's right, folks. She was literally facing the death penalty. And to top it off for something she didn't do, but she was finally released. Billy Hain, Billy Hine, Jamie's lifelong friend, is behind bars for the same murder that she was behind bars for, that neither of them committed. That's right. Now we still have another innocent man that remains in prison decades later, Billy Hines. Life with parole, but yet his jacket remains closed when it reaches the pardon parole board. Why is that? Now Jamie, her mother biological mother, I'll put it that way, because it's hard to imagine that word being unison with the actions of this monster. And I've got permission to talk this way from Jamie, her her biological mother, um, set her up, tried to set her up. She is still as a felon but she's really only in writing, not person. All right? We have a problem with that. We have a problem when evidence denied. 
exculpatory evidence or beyond a shadow of a doubt. We have a problem with the system, folks. We have a problem with those that are far too zealous to maintain their status as unbeatable prosecutors that are in cahoots when they are. When they are, mind you, I have a brother who's a prosecutor and a darn good one, and he's nowhere near Oklahoma, but this does happen throughout our country, Um, that are in line with judges, public defenders, local attorneys, and decisions are made long before that gavel even hits the desk. The almighty desk. So Billy Hina's uh, life without parole, why? Jamie's mother set her up. Her mom refuses to come clean, although she is sentenced to life without parole. And there's a question as to, is Jamie's mother a serial killer after all? Jamie's closest friends praise her and refer to her as an incredible person, but especially as a mother. How on earth does she break away from that pattern? We're going to get into that in this two-part series tonight. I want to introduce Tina Gertz. Tina, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Hi, everybody. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we're glad to have you on again. And, uh, and as usual, you know, we're, we're in this together, sister. Tina and I have formed a uh, nonprofit. It's called Journeys to Justice. And you will be hearing much more about that later. We are simply just waiting for that paperwork to come in. But it's been input. But we're waiting for that to seal the deal. Um, Jamie Moore, how are you tonight? Thank you for coming on with us tonight and sharing this story. I'm pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. And you did give me permission to lay it all out when it comes to your biological mother, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. We will get into that a little bit more. Um, but first, once again, I am Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks. So your voice is heard and your story is told. And I have a little bit of a dialogue for you before we go much further because I'm just in the mood for a vent. Okay, we are in an era that we, as in we the people, must put certain aspects of it behind us. And the purpose of this mission, mine and many, Marty Oakley's radio show, the reason why, and, 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 and for Stephen Burke, the reason why he took that chance to put this show on his forum, a Christian radio show, a nonprofit, when the church threatened to, th- to, to, to basically disown him. And they finally backed down when Stephen Burke preached to them. That's why we are here. So the purpose of this mission, mine and many, is to not only Tina's and mine with journeys to justice, is to not only uphold our rights, but to enforce our rights to begin with. And that includes prisoners' rights. Inmates have 
constitutional rights. They're not yours and mine. They are theirs. But what good does it do if they're not enforced? So why is it so hard? It's called public corruption, friends. Most of you already know that, that are listening, and thank you for listening. And public corruption is not okay. Get it? Because this is a show a lot about Oklahoma. Public corruption is not okay, as my friend and fellow whistleblower James Treat came up with for a rally that Tina Gertz and I put on where his contribution as a speaker was notable, as each one of us has been has been uh, was there at the show at the rally. Forgive me. (laughs) This is all about exposing, sanction, and reform. Reform. Tina and I are going to share a video on a gentleman by the name of Keith Brown, I believe it is, who is in prison. And no, he doesn't say he's innocent because he's not. He doesn't have to. Right? But guess what? Some, like Jamie Moore, some, like her good friend that we're going to be talking about, pled guilty just because they were frightened to death that they would be put to death, even though they're innocent. Who's nodding their heads? Yes. Who's nodding their head saying, no, 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 that's just not right. Yes, because they get it. They understand. No, 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 you're right. It's not right. This can't happen. How does it happen? That's not legal. How can they get away with it? If you haven't been around, stick around and continue listening to these shows, our friends. And you've got to look up. TS Radio Network, Marty Oakley's PPJG.me, where she has other hosts on that are doing the same things that are happening in different forums throughout our country. So, my friends, friends, we'll ask you to watch that video on Keith Brown, who speaks from behind bars about reform. It is one very clear accounting as to the need of reform. Just one example, but my word, he does it so well, so, so well. So where's the elephant in the room here? Why is this so hard? Well, once upon a time, conflicts of interest were barred from the debacle that we now have. Once upon a time, our legislators were not mainly lawyers. You see, in Oklahoma, and I would love to learn about your state, folks, But in the case in Oklahoma, in the case of Oklahoma, it has literally been written into the Constitution that the Bar Association actually is an arm of the Supreme Court. Well, heck, we know that they act that way throughout the country, and that's why we have so much corruption where it is. But in Oklahoma, a dark red state, a very dark red Republican conservative state, shame on you, and you will be found out. I'm so livid with Oklahoma, given my personal preferences for policy in general. Shame on you, Oklahoma. Conservative policies, liberally, I'm, I'm uh, socially, I'm, you know, to each its own thing. 
But listen, folks, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, for if it's my last dying breath, will be found out. I don't think it's going to take my last dying breath, given mm-hmm. the progress we're making here. But in the meantime, there are dying breaths where they do not belong inside of our prisons throughout the country. But in Oklahoma alone, the number one, number one incarceration rate, I believe it made it back up to number one, in the world per capita, where there really are not that many criminals. Oh, oh, maybe if you count the criminal public actors and the corrections officers do engage, not all of them, that do engage in the abuse, in the rape, in the pilfering of the inmates, literal rape, man, women, they don't care if that's what they want to do, set up entertainment. We're seeing this all over the place now. I've got a picture, a video of it just recently of, of, of yet another corrections officer uh, night of entertainment. Let's have these guys fight. Oh, who's going to win? Let's toss in some more money. Yeah, literally, literally. Got those videos. This is no joke. It is real. The need for reform. So let's get back to this. It's literally been written, the state constitution, and the Bar Association is an arm of the Supreme Court. (sighs) Okay. So this is why we need transparency. This is why it needs to be found out more beyond the listeners of the show. And listeners, please keep sharing because we're getting there. Please be in touch with us and let us know what you want to, what you can, and what you will do to move this cause forward. This massively corrupt state has a long history, and the current Lankfort, Senator Lankfort, is no different than anybody else. I cringed when he came forward, and I'm almost done, folks. But I did cringe when he recently came forward, saying that Biden should have access to the meetings on foreign affairs. Now, okay, so I admit that the thought of Biden having access to foreign affairs, no offense, I don't, if you take it, get over it, okay? But I do cringe with the fact that Biden has access to foreign affairs because I don't think he's all there, and some. But the fact that Senator Langford has the cojones to get up and pretend he's all that when he is not all that. See, I just balanced that out, okay, so I'm fair, all right? Senator Langford, a staunch Republican, conservative for the state of Oklahoma. Corrupt? Well, because at least I know for a fact that he turns his back on due process. When he has a willing full room, access to a full room of witnesses to bring forward massive judicial RICO in the star chamber of Tulsa District Court. After it's already gone through the FBI, poo-poo, The Attorney General, poo-poo. Nobody wants to know it. Poo-poo, poo-poo. They don't want to know it. Why? Because it's a deep, deep, dirty. That's why. 
That's why. So, Senator Lankford, I cringe because you really make me sick to my stomach, and that's why we're here. Because any of this will make any of us sick to our stomach, and this is not for the faint of heart. I'm not sure if we've had any shows with the content that it takes, uh, that it wouldn't take such an iron stomach to get through some of these shows, even though we have shared some successes with you. One is not enough. Okay. So not all, but those that have genuine control over the oversight, punishment, and reform in the state of Oklahoma and anywhere for that matter of fact, does not provide access to justice if they turn their backs away. So they turn their backs. There we go. That's my vent for right now. That's my vent, and I want to thank you for listening to that. We need you, and we need the brave warriors like Jamie Moore and Tina Gertz that come forward And let's talk about it. And now you know why this is at least a two-part series. Jamie, what do you think? Well, I think that there definitely needs to be some criminal justice reform done, especially in Oklahoma, because my personal experience and opinion is they are all very corrupt. Very corrupt. Yeah. Like a needle in the haystack, isn't it? Yeah. Trying to find anything but. And I thought I found some, but I'm not so sure I did when it comes to those that want to help. Yep. There's sometimes when I'm watching things and I'm like oh this would be good for criminal justice reform and then when they get in office they just do half of it or part to make them enough to make themselves look good and then they stop right and then we're we're all left wondering like what you know where's the rest of it right what was your platform (laughs) right what was your platform what, what did you yeah. say you were running on? Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot one thing. Marty Oakley, uh, Stephen Burke, and myself are not personally or professionally to be held liable for any error of content, as well as Tina Gertz. Um, uh, but that being said, you know, we do a great job betting our, our, our guests. And if anybody has uh, a bone to pick, uh, feel free to email injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com, injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com. We're not all that fancy, but we're getting the job done, and we do have another email that we're going to be putting out pretty soon. Um, and I want to say hello to my mother in New Hampshire who is listening, and I love you, mother. Um, just one more brief, brief uh, note is that my mom actually did share an article with me about a a young man that um, had a promising career as an athlete who got caught up in the wrong crowd and was put in prison for stealing, Um, you know, caught a couple times, arrested a couple times, and he finally came around in prison. He accepted what he did wrong, and he was willing to pay the price of punishment. He said he was sorry. 
he made amends. He never expected anybody to actually forgive him, but he was grateful. He was grateful for those that stood by him when he did make those changes and was willing to make and did make those changes in life. Now, see, isn't that how it is supposed to go, right? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to continue being abused. You're not right. supposed to have abuse beyond what that punishment is. And when you have got lawyers and as lawmakers that are greasing the hands of the and legislation, that are greasing the hands of the judge, everybody's hands are getting greased, the bar association, the prosecutors, the, pro, the public defenders, then guess what? Then why aren't there any sentence guidelines that are actually followed in Oklahoma? Huge issue. Let's start there along with enforcement. Tina, what do you think? <laughs> the guidelines are anything from parole to life in prison. I mean, so it just depends on the judge's mood. How much well, the time same time. Exactly. Somebody can get parole or 20 years or life. That makes no sense. That's the common sense reform that needs to happen. There needs to be actual guidelines, not just throw them in as long as you feel. I mean, you've said it before, the judges will have people raise their hands as to what color their car is to sentence somebody. Right. Or how many are in the parking lot? How how many cars are there? Okay, that's how many years you're getting today. That's ridiculous. I mean, and and that throws us into number one in incarceration. That in the eighty five percent. Yes. And we know state question. Uh, 805 did not pass. In my personal opinion, they really need to, uh, what needs to happen first, uh, because I think on the other end of it, if it passed, it would have been punished by, uh, by um, the length of, uh, of prison time if guidelines are not put in first. You know, I think it would have uh, been punished on the front end uh, if 805, which encompassed a whole bunch of requests for reform, um, which uh, quite understandably good, except for a couple of gray areas there. But I, I genuinely feel, and, and I shared this on another radio station, that um, that, that that you know there that could cause a bit of a problem because instead of getting uh, maybe twenty, because that's the mood the judge was in that day, or the prosecutor as far as asking for what they wanted, you know, well mm-hmm. it seems though they passed that eight oh five. Let's make sure that we punish them more on the end so that since we can't have consecutive sentencing or whatever for nonviolent, let's make sure that we just um, exceed what we normally, if there is a normal, right, uh, sentences. Do you understand what I mean by that? I completely understand, um, and I agree with you. There, there's too, too much time difference that can be given. And again, it's my opinion that with these long sentences, Oklahoma has longer sentences than 
states with like Kansas, we have longer sentences than them. And everybody talks about how it's nonviolent, but it's also the violent offenders. And there's a lot of crimes. I don't know if people realize this, but there's, I believe it was, uh, oh goodness, now I can't think of it. 50. I think there's 53 violent crimes that, that fall under the 85% rule. And that's not actually what the people of Oklahoma voted for back right, when they started the 85 Well, I'm talking about when they started the 85%. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The people did vote for that but it was only for specific crimes and they just keep adding to it. Well, you keep adding and I'm not saying that saying that they're not violent crimes, but you keep adding to it and adding to it. And then you're adding to how many people are serving their 85%. Right. And no matter what their behavior on the inside is showing, if they're reformed or not. And, You've got people just sitting in there wasting away when they could be out here being good citizens. There are people in prison that do reform, but they won't give them a chance. Right. And and what is inside of their jacket is it it can often be only based on what um, not necessarily what's true uh, in some cases. So, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. so now here we're talking about um, wrongful convictions. Here we're talking about wrongful convictions. But again, I'm going to encourage everybody to take a look just one more time to take a look um, after the show because I'm not p- posting it till after the show. I know I shared it before um, with a, a video that I'm going to share of Keith Brown, who is an Oklahoma inmate right now. I think you might get an idea of what we're talking about regarding reform. Now, he's again, he's not pretending to or he's not saying that he uh, is innocent or that he was wrongfully convicted. But, um, you know, I we've had many on the show that um, started out, you know, as, you know, part of gang members, been busted before and whatnot and have grown up to be men. And some of mm-hmm. them were actually wrongfully convicted because of the history or because of who they were believed to be. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but they've grown up to be men, you know, they've actually come around and grown up to be men, had to learn how to survive and, and look deep and dig deep into themselves and become the best version of themselves that they could. And, and I've talked to a bunch of them now. Am I being fooled? Who knows? Maybe I am. Maybe I am, but maybe I'm not. I don't think I am when it comes to most of the circumstances that, um, that these are people that have learned to trade. They've taken advantage of everything that they could while they're in prison mm-hmm. and are ready to come out and be productive members of society and should be coming out and being productive members of society. We're talking about some with nonviolent crimes. We're, we're talking about some, yes, with violent crimes. We're talking about, you, you know, but a single offense. Um, but we're also talking about, you know, somebody who has uh, stolen a pickup truck, truck, a very first crime, very first offense, okay? 
talking about that. You know, we're we're talking about somebody who had who was caught with a big bogey, a joint, okay, weed. Oh yeah, but when the prosecutor gets caught with it, or a public defender, or when the police are carrying are 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 are, are uh, making money off of drugs, those that do, not all, drugs that they uh, apprehend, uh, that they that they get from those they're busting, you know. I, it, it's got to work the whole way around. I'm sorry, folks. It's got to work the whole way around. This is not a one-way mm-hmm. show, not a one-way street. Who do you know? But it has been for far too long. And this is the problem. So it's not what it's supposed to be. It's not what it is supposed to be. Right. Voices matter. Voices matter. Hmm. So... Jamie. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up with your mother. Oh, not not very good. Um, she she would sell me for drugs from a very young age. How, how old were you when that happened? You grew up in Frederick, Oklahoma, right, which is fairly close to Lawton, I believe. Um, we're about an hour from Lawton, I think. Okay. And um, so we sell you for drugs. Not, not just there, but she, uh, she would in Texas when we were down there as well. Um, she would bounce me from house to house. Uh, when I was young, she left me at one of her drug dealers' houses for about six months or so. My uncle had to come and pick me up from there. Uh, <clears throat> were you she, in school uh, at the time, or were you still too young for that? Even I was still too young for that when she did that. So you weren't missing and, as far as the school roles go. No. Mhm. No, and she she would bounce me around between family members a lot, um, and she would come and pick me up. Uh, She's always done drugs. Uh, she did drugs with me. Um, so you had a great, great Billy teacher. Wa- no, when Billy wasn't around, especially like right before the murder happened, she um, she would have me doing drugs and stuff with her, and it's. <laughs> She would have people running in and out of the house all the time. Um, my stepdad, she she treated him really bad. Uh, she had pointed a gun in his face a few times. Um, he was he afraid of her. <clears throat> a lot of people were afraid of her. She. She was very abusive, but she liked to play the victim a lot. Um, my poor stepdad, I mean, he really, really went through it being married to her. How long did he stick around? They got married in 1986, and uh, they had separated shortly before the murder happened in 95. And... uh 
I mean, she she would cheat on him. She would, you know, spend all the money whenever he would make it, you know, point guns in his face, threatened to kill him. She threatened to kill him quite a few times. Uh, <clears throat> she had even threatened me and one of my best friends uh, after we had gotten hair dye on the tub and made a mess. She had her gun on the counter and said, I should shoot both of you in the face dead. Uh, and a lot of my now, friends... How old were you then? Uh, because I know in our conversation with Tina um, before, um, you, you you said that essentially what wound up happening is anytime you had friends over, they would never come back again. So that's yeah. kind of this because is the one, of... This- yeah, this is the one friend that would come back, and I would stay at her house most of the time as well. I stayed okay. at her house quite a bit. Um, okay. But she was the one friend that did keep coming back. Um, wow. But, yeah, most of my other friends, if they came and stayed the night, they would not come back because they were afraid of my mom. My mom scared a lot of people. And, of course, yeah, I never with reason. understood because that's you know, all you knew. I was young. I just, yeah, I just wanted my mom to love me. That's all I knew. I mean, I, I grew up thinking that was normal. And, and I mean, and you and you and Billy became uh, friends like in your teen years, right? Yeah, a little bit before my teen years. Yes. Okay, a little bit before. Okay. All right, and Billy is the one who is still in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Right. Okay. Let's talk just for a few minutes, and then we're going to go back a little bit Tarantino style, okay? Let's talk for a few okay. minutes about the crime. <clears throat> what okay. happened? Because a crime did happen. Although... Yes, a crime did happen, but Billy and I were not there. Right. Um, he woke me up that morning. To try to get me to go to school, I wouldn't go to school. And how old were you? Fourteen. Okay. And I told him no, I wasn't going to go. And he's trying to convince me, you know, you really need to go to school. Come on, I'm going to walk you. And my mom had come in the back door after that and heard me saying it. She got mad and she she hit me. And I, uh, did your, did your mom normally push you to go to school or no, did it depend on what her needs were for that day? Pretty much depended on what she needed or wanted that day. Um, but she hit me, we got into it. Um, Billy ended up having to separate us and then she, she told us that we were going with her. Well, before this, um, Billy and I <clears throat> had found some of her stuff, and I found a picture, and I said, look at this, and I remember telling him, I said, what does that look like? It was a chair on fire, and it looked like there was a body in it. It looked like there was an outline of a body in the middle of the chair. Was that her and, picture? Like, where was that found? Yeah, it was in her room. It was in her like bedroom. Like Polaroid or something? Huh? 
was it like a Polaroid or something or? No. Um, I don't remember. Like she actually took the time to print it. Yes, she did. She did. So you think that she had something to do with that, right? Yes. Okay. I do. And um, it's hard to really explain if you if you could understand how my mom carried herself. If she told you to do something, you're going to do it because if not, you could end up hurt really bad or dead. I mean, right? You just did what she said, and here I am, a 14 year old girl who wants my mom to love me, but she she doesn't. She's not capable of it, and I don't understand that at that age. Of course. And, you know, Billy, he was he was there for me, you know, and, and when I showed him that picture, he was like, oh. And so, so, the, so the radar you know, was up on his end at that point, and it kind of taught you because you it's all you knew, right? So the radar mm-hmm. was starting to, like, come into play a little bit, like, no, this is not normal, this is not okay. Right. This is not what every family is like, and every mother is like. Am I right? Right. Um, okay. So we're going to hold that thought, and we're going to talk more about her evil deeds. Okay. We are. Okay. But I. But but just for the sake of right now, let's talk about the murder that occurred that day. Well, see, when I had read the reports, the man was actually killed the night before because when she told us we had to go we left and we walked across the field and we got in the victim's truck and I can I can remember so that clear was the day. victim's truck yes it was the victim's truck and I remember getting in the truck and there was blood spatter everywhere everywhere all over the truck and I remember looking at my mom and I do remember seeing blood on her. Was that prior to getting in the truck or as you were no, getting in was, it? I mean, I know that you woke up, you know, no, Billy this woke was you up. while we were in it. While you were in it. Okay. I was, I was in the middle so of the truck. The and I'm dry? Um, yeah. Okay. And, and I remember looking at her arm and I just, kept looking down and I looked over at Billy and, and I just tried to avoid eye contact with my mom. You didn't want her to see what you saw. Right. I didn't want her to know see that I've you saw that. what, right. right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when <clears throat> we took the truck down by Quanta, Texas and we left it in a field and then we walked to a motel and we we were in the motel, and Billy was in the shower, and my mom's cleaning her gun, and I'm it's looking at the just a normal thing for a mom to be doing with her 14-year-old daughter, you know, cleaning the gun. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's okay. Yeah. In, in a sense, it's okay, but, but it's certainly not in the situation. Right. Okay. And they had said they had found the body of a man. And I remember saying, "Oh my God, that man is dead." And okay, she who had, had loaded said they her found gun. The body of a man. 
the news. The news lady did. Right. And okay. She was loading her gun at this time, and it's a three fifty seven revolver, whatever it was. And yep. she said, "Come here." So I go over to her. It's my mom, and she puts the gun to my head, and she told me, "I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, and you're not the first." And pulled the trigger. And I just can you repeat that? I just want our listeners to know that yes, they really did hear what they just heard. Yes, I'm sorry. It's okay with you. She put a gun to my head and pulled the trigger after telling me, I brought you into this world and I can take you out and you're not the first. And that's when she pulled the trigger. Luckily, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, We're so glad you're still here. Was that a fear tactic, do you believe, or do you think she actually could have had it doesn't even matter. Who knows, right? You to this day, you I probably don't, don't know. But yeah, yeah. I don't know her intentions behind it, but you know, even even talking to Billy, I said, "Do you remember when you came out of the shower and I was balled up in the corner crying, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wouldn't talk to anybody, and I pretty much just stuck by his side." Because I felt safe with him. I've always felt safe with him. And I told him the reason. And this was recently I had told him. I said, that's why. And he said, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm not kidding you. And he said, I'm so sorry. I wish you would have told me. And... This is very clear memory, I know, because I mean, I wrote down when you said that when you guys had gone into the truck, Billy was wearing a black and white flannel, right? Yes, ma'am. And you have a vivid memory of what happened that day. I do. I do, because I've Your had mom, nightmares about it Your mom, she was wearing dark clothing. Life. I'm yes. sorry? I, I've had nightmares about this every day since it happened, and I've never been able to work through it until recently. Because I had to. I had to be mentally healthy for my kids. And, and and I knew in order to be mentally healthy for my kids, I had to work through this and through all of this trauma. Uh, it, it, trauma that would seem unsurmountable. That it, yes. it would only take kids to help you to get over it. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously get through it. But obviously that whole premise and and philosophy didn't work, um, right? With your mother and her love for you, because you're a victim of being sold for drugs at four years old, and I don't think we even need to get into the details of that. Um, you know, not knowing where your where your mother is, uh, you know her. Um, beating on you and abusing you and uh, the fear um, all all you ever knew and somehow those around her um, you know like your stepfather you know he, he, he walked into something beyond obviously a hornet's nest and I imagine part of what kept them there was the fact that you were there 
you know, trying to protect you. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember waking up one night and and her and my stepdad arguing. And I remember, of course, I'm not supposed to be nosy, but I am. And I remember hearing her vividly tell him. Yeah. I remember her vividly telling him that she shot and killed two men and threw them off the bridge into the Missouri River. And And when she did that, was that something that she told him to keep him in line as you think back about it? No, I think it was more of bragging. Wow. So what was he saying to uh, I didn't really hear what he had said. I, I kind of turned around right at that time and went right back into my room. Right. That's pretty scary. She heard you. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty scary. That's yeah. a, a nightmare. I mean, why isn't there a movie right now on your life? Um, I don't know. I've had a lot of people ask me that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to look into that. Anybody out there? Uh, yeah. Um, we are working on documentary, a documentary. Um, uh, but this would certainly warrant knowing all we know. Not everybody else knows quite yet, so hang in there with us. This is a two-part series, of course. Um, mm-hmm. All that Tina and, and you and I have uh, gone through, and I'm sure it's not everything. Uh, no. This is one heck of a one heck of a life. One heck of a life. Yes. And the fact that you were able to break away for from it. Um, yes. Uh, so okay, so now you heard on the news. You, again, we're kind of going to go back and forth a little bit. You heard on the news that um, somebody was murdered. Yeah. Your mom heard that or you and Billy heard that? When did you connect the dots or was there even time to connect the dots? There was not time to connect the dots. Billy was in the shower when all that happened, and Mm -hmm. there there was no time to connect the dots. You know, and, and the next thing I know, we're, you know, in somebody's truck headed to Wichita Falls to get in a semi truck with somebody. Okay, so you're in the um, the victim, the guy that was murdered, his truck, and you're heading mm-hmm. to Wichita Falls. Why Wichita Falls? Oh no, Falls? not in that. Not in that truck. We ditched that truck. It was, and we went to the motel. And when we were at the motel, one of my mom's friends showed up and took us to Wichita Falls. Okay, so and your mom, so she was basically acting as a mule to. Uh, help you get somewhere do you think the friend knew why you were going i would not put it past that guy because that guy was very bad news and uh he was one of my mom's drug dealers and he was uh one of the people my mom slept with quite a bit mm-hmm. amongst so everybody if- she said you better do this or i'm going to tell you or i'm going to out you right you gotta Probably. help me or i'm going to out you yep okay I'm just, that's a hypothetical, I, listeners. I just want you to know that my brain is thinking that way right now. 
So, okay, but the fact oh. is this is a known drug dealer who your mom used to sleep with who was the one that came and picked up her, you, excuse me, and Billy to go over to Wichita Falls. Yes, that's that's what happened. He's um, This guy was really bad news, but my mom, I mean, she was – I mean, she would sleep with anybody and everybody that would sleep with her. Okay, and so do you want – it sounds like there's more to it that you could actually share with us about this guy being bad news. So let's hear about it. Um, the only thing – Do you, you want to name him? Uh, No, because he's dead now. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're not going to drag his – okay, name through anything now. Not, not right now. Not right now. I might later on, okay. but not. Not right now. That's fair but enough. He, um, he, he was running drugs with my mom a lot. Um, I mean, he was sitting there teaching me how to smoke meth at 13, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, looking Did back, you, I'm like, like ever feel pushed not into that? Yes. Did you ever feel pushed yes, into I that did. and then you didn't want to do it? Yes. Okay. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Oh no, that's fine. Um, because it's hard to know around. whether whether you should resist it or not when you grow up when you've grown up with it. You know what you know what I mean. So I was just curious yeah. if there was a time when you were fed up with it, or 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 if you were just addicted, craving it, which would be a normal thing too. You know what I mean? I was, I was mostly fed up with it. I didn't. I mean, even though I grew up with that around all the time, and my mom's pushing me to do it. I, it became a normal for me, but it's not something I wanted to go do, if that makes sense. Right. Like, if you didn't do, do you feel as though you would have been treated, if you didn't do it, do you feel as though you would have been treated differently? Oh, I would have, I would have gotten in trouble. Okay, that's a feeling that I got. That's why I asked you that question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. Because you can't be better than anybody else. Right. Right. Okay. Jeez, I'm so sorry. Okay. So this guy would light up meth, and you, you it was just like the thing to do. Yeah. With him. Mhm. And I mean, you know, I I tried to avoid being around them. But, of course, like I said, when Billy was around and hanging out with me, they they wouldn't do that. They they basically would just leave me alone. So, so of course, Billy did not see it all. No. No, he didn't know a lot of the stuff I had been through. But, unfortunately, he did have to see the the fear that I had with my mom. Yes. Did, were you ever threatened if you had told him? No. She didn't know okay. what I talked to him about. She was more worried about whatever she was doing. Okay. Very honest. Very transparent. Thank you for that. Of course. Mm-hmm. I don't expect anything different. I know. I know nothing different from you. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. all right. 
So he, this guy, Billy, your wish is my command, comes and picks you up, right? Mm-hmm. So there's four of you now, and you're traveling. Continue, please. Um, you know, uh, when we got in the semi-truck, you know, of course, my mom was up front and screwing that guy, too. Um, Billy and I, you know, like I said, I did not want to be very far away from Billy at all because I always felt safe with him and she, she wouldn't do things to me with him there. But if he wasn't there, she would. Hmm. And that, that's very hard anyways to go through, you know, I mean, your mom's supposed to love you, but you're afraid of her. And and the one person that's showing you, you know, that he really cares about you and doesn't want anything bad to happen to you, you're you're gonna, you know, latch on to that for lack of a better right. term. Right. And uh, I, absolutely. Uh, Something that feels good. Him and I Yeah, him and I Billy and I have always been close since we first met. We've always been really close friends. There's not anything I can't talk to him about. There's not anything I can't tell him because he's not gonna judge me. And he, he's not going to think anything different about me. And he will sit there and let me vent to him and talk talk to him. You know. And just out of curiosity, Whereas, uh, for the listener's sake, in case it's popping to their mind, you know, we know that Billy is in prison. Um, he yes. li- is sentenced to life with parole. Um, but what was his background? Did he have any, any prior criminal history? Any any felon felonies? Nope. Okay, that's I just I knew that, but I wanted you to share yes. that. Okay. There, he had no felonies or anything. You, uh, you know, no felonies, and and here he is, you know, hanging out with me, and we get in this situation that we can't get out of because we're afraid. I mean. Right. There's grown men that were afraid of my mama. She's she's burned down people's trucks. I mean, she yeah, she's not a good person. So, you, so for these reasons, you feel that she, you know, is a serial. She very well may be a serial killer, given what you've heard, given the photograph that you've seen, um, you know, given the, her bra- braggadocious matter uh, with your your uh, uh, ex stepfather, and you know her her violence. Um, and then suddenly Billy starts to realize that um, your mom isn't just a little off. This is just like a really, really bad situation. And you wake up one day and um, and she's kind of saying, y'all need to come with me. Yes. And you follow. Right. And he basically went, yeah, did he have to go or did he go with you? to be with you and protect you knowing he needed you, you needed him. I feel like he wanted to be there to protect me the best that he could. Okay. I mean, had he ever seen her behavior quite like that before? Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. Okay. Usually whenever he was was hanging out with me, she would, she usually would leave me alone for the most part. Right, that's what it's. Yeah, it's what I've heard you say. But I was just wondering if, to, to you know, to what level of leaving you alone? Because 
you know, there's crazy, and then there's just like, you know, totally nuts, like what was the normal behavior of hers in front of Billy when you were around. And it sounds to me as though, like, she wasn't doing meth in front of you or anything like that in front of him. She, yeah, she's very fake. Very fake. Uh-huh. I mean, okay. Even, okay, gotcha. even to this day, I mean, up before I finally dug into this again to in order to deal with everything. Um, right. She she would tell me, you know, you're such a liar. You know, she even told me one time tornadoes don't happen in Missouri, and I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> And, and why would she say that? Stomach. What's the purpose? Is is it just in her pathology? She's a pathological liar just because she feels like it. You know what I mean? What what do you think that her actual prognosis is, given the the wickedness? Um, what do you I, think? I think that I think she's a textbook psychopath. Yeah, um, she's incapable of feelings, but she tries her best to mimic them. Okay. And and she gets it from my grandpa. My grandpa was crazy too. Okay. But here's well, the real I, kicker. I'm sorry to hear that. And if he was abusive and all that, but it's still somebody's got to break that. And and when when they become an adult, they are solely responsible right. for that kind of action. Exactly. So And I'm sorry because it usually, you know, I mean, there, you know, there's reactions to actions, you know, whatnot. And you know, you've taken the 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 best possible path as a reaction is deal with the healing, deal with the truth and our, our phrase to be the, one of the best moms that, uh, that people know. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that's not easy. I, I even say anything people, that they don't want to. Yeah. Right. I, I explain to people, I'm like, look, I, I don't know nothing about being a mom. I just know what not to do. You know, I, I didn't have an example of a good mom but I know exactly what not to do. You know, right. I, I know how I didn't want to feel and I know what to keep away from my kids. And, and, you know, I just, I do my best and think I'm doing a pretty good job. There and, is a lot of what not to do that you learn. Mm-hmm. So everything else, it sounds like all those not to do's were like crossed off the list. You, you know what I yeah. mean? You knew what not to do. So what was left being a good person mm-hmm that your mom never was. And I know I had talked to you a little bit about my grandpa, but I forgot to tell you yeah. one thing. He was a police officer. Oh. Mhm. This might go into series 3. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tina? Yes. <laughs> In Oklahoma? And mm-hmm. yes, and he was a very crooked cop too. All right. All right, stretch it out another show. You know a lot, don't you? Yes. Okay. Okay, wow. And the other thing, too, is after I got out when I was 18, um, I had the Texas Rangers following me around and constantly stopping me and questioning me because I was in Seymour, Texas. And it was about a murder that it happened in Seymour, Texas, that my mom was suspected of. And they, um, 
They never had. So any there's more a bunch evidence. of cold cases out there, uh, 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 probably because of the blood on her hands. Is that what you're saying? I believe so. Yes. Wow. And I mean, you know, you take you take a woman who is like this, who has done this to her own daughter. Right. And, Let's and talk about then that. You, then, yeah. then you have this young man who has never been in trouble before, and because him and I were so close, he he ends up wrong place, wrong time, and, and gets sent up the river for something he had nothing to do with. And neither you know. did you. And no. neither did you. So no. how is it? Let's let our listeners know. Boy, there's a lot to circle back to here, friend. Wow. Um, So how was it even remotely shown through any kind of evidential hearings, evidentiary hearings, that you and Billy were responsible for this murder, because I'm seeing right now, because you were both punished with murder one, right? Yes. Okay, so yes, murder we one, Oklahoma, crimes and punishments, conspiracy. Okay, conspiracy, mm-hmm. murder one, murder one. If two or more persons conspire either to commit any crime or falsely and maliciously to indict another for any crime or to procure another to be charged or arrested for another crime although that's what your mother was doing falsely to Mm -hmm. move or maintain any suit or action or any proceeding to cheat and defraud any person okay so uh so murder one conspiracy to commit a felony punish uh wait a minute i'm not even me about murder murder one so did you conspire did you conspire to murder somebody? No, we never did. All right. Um, Not one time did we ever talk how about... How is it that you got charged with murder one? Let's go through the process. Let's go through uh, the apprehension of you and Billy and your mother. We were on that semi, like I said, and we got pulled over at a Kentucky way station, and they had a warrant out for us, and they arrested us, and then they extradited us back to Oklahoma, and while we were being extradited back, my mom told me to take the blame for the whole thing and tell them I did it, and I said, what, Why? Why would I say I did that? I didn't know. No, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do it. And at this and point, you said, put one and one together because you saw it on the news. Yeah, and she said, don't worry, you'll get out whenever you're 18. Just say you did it. And I said, I'm not going to say I did it because I didn't do it. Right. And looking back on that, how can you ask your daughter to take the blame for something like that? I mean, Right. In the end, I did still end up being locked up until I was 18. But once they got us back to Oklahoma, they told me, you're facing the death penalty. We are right. asking for the death penalty. 
And, and so I was you like, did what? not ta- take the blame. You were not willing to, no matter how much you were trying. She was trying to influence you, right? But for some right. reason, okay. So they apprehended you at a way station. Mm-hmm. There was something that led to that apprehension. There was and and a warrant uh, for. Was it a warrant for her arrest at the time? No. Or for for all three of us is oh, what I right. was told. Oh. I was told there was there was a warrant for all three of us, and I mean, I'm 14 years old. I'm believing everything they say. Of course, I'm scared to death. Of course, you are. Right. You know, they're walking me through an airport with shackles on my feet and handcuffs on, oh and uh, I mean. Of course, everybody's staring because there's me, Billy, and my mom all in shackles and handcuffs, and right. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, that whole incident right there is why I will not fly on a plane. It, oh. it was scary. It was real scary. It was terrifying for me, and and for her to be sitting there while I'm on the plane freaking out as it is, she. You know, she's sitting there asking me to to take the blame for something I didn't even do. <clears throat> and wow, you know, now, had your mother ever been arrested for anything like this before? No, because she was very good right. at talking her right. way out of things. Right. Either yep. talking okay. her way out of things I... or screwing her way out of things. Right. Right. Capital murder, and, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, first degree murder, aggravating circumstances, a, a threat of violence, risk of death to more than one person, committed for remuneration or the purpose of remuneration, especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel. There's a litany here. Murder in the first degree, malice murder. If it was second degree, it would be during the commission of a felony. So it would be kind of like a secondary thing that had happened. But this, uh, uh, the three of you were charged with murder in the first degree. So that's malice murder, intentional, deliberate, intentional killing of another human being with a premeditation or malice aforethought. Malice or intent can be formed in an instant. Okay. Does not necessarily require planning. Can be proven by X. It can be proven by external circumstances, such as words, conduct, demeanor, etc. Well, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now, I, now I'm just looking at an interpretation of it. Okay, so, um, so the punishment for murder charges in the first degree is death, life in prison without the possibility of parole, or life imprisoned, and is an 85 percent. Crime, meaning that at least 85% of any punishment must be served before parole. And as if parole actually has been successful for even 99% of those who come up for it, and probably at least half of them are worthy of it. Um, so how did you get out? I <clears throat> I got lucky. My um I had a public defender and 
he you ended got up lucky. getting sick. Just think about that, listeners. She just said she got lucky. Now, how positive thinking is that? You know? I mean, seriously, listen to you, what you have been through, and you know, and you claim that you got lucky. Yeah, That's I did get know. lucky. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And I'm sorry. I got recertified. I got recertified as a juvenile, and um, then they put me in the custody of the juvenile system. And then I went uh, to the detention center in Lawton. Then I went to Raider up in Sand Springs, and then I went to Manitou. And then after Manitou, they released me to a group home over in Arcadia and um, as a step-down facility. And then uh, when I was 18, they released me to my grandma. So they had charged you as an adult at age 14, but yet there was no real evidence pointing to yours or Billy's involvement in this. Um, no, and I think I've showed you, had you what mentioned I had on that. that. I'm sorry? I think I showed you what I had on that as far as the evidence. Yes, and we'll get into that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, Tina, do you mind pulling that up? Sure. And that way you can share that evidence with with us. Because I tell you what, I'm doing a lot of talking. And, uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm not sure if we should talk about all the evidence on here, but we can say that we've, you know, we've seen it and there's no reason Billy should still be in there. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Gotcha. Some of this has to remain. Okay. And and just for our listeners, you know, if you go and you look this case up anyways, you're only going to see uh, the filings um, starting in 2020, uh, which is kind of, you know, I think it says 2020. I know that I've looked it up, and uh, that's based on, you know, going for, in front of the Parker and Bahal board and, and, and whatnot. But we don't actually, we're not actually privy to that case file um, online. It's not as if they can't scan it and, and, and put it in. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of reasons why you don't see what happened before. And, yes, pre-computer, I think it says. Um, but for ongoing cases, uh, why can't we see what's going on? And you've been trying to obtain a copy of that file and transcripts. Is that correct? Yes, and uh, I haven't been able to afford to get a copy of the transcripts from because it's it's a lot. Yeah, and and you're doing this on on behalf of of Billy Hine, who has been in there since 1992, correct? No, we were we were all arrested in 95. Oh, forgive me. Okay, I'm looking at 1992 here for some. You were arrested in 95. I'm so sorry. Thank you for that. All right. Uh huh. Okay. But you know. This is something he he did not do, and and of course, like I said, we you can see that from the evidence. Uh, right. Unfortunately, yes. he was no, I did, led. I did, I did look through that. Yes, and we won't talk about each and every one. I totally understand. Okay. Right. Yeah. But he was he was misled to take a plea deal, and uh, he <laughs> there's no reason for him to be in there. I mean, it's my mom went to jury trial. They convicted her in 
you know, less than four hours. And that's a very fast. Right. It must have been just incredibly um, compelling, the evidence to, 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 for yeah. that to happen so, so fast. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, they came back and, and visited her. Yeah, and, and that was easy. That was easy, but yeah. And and the reality is, there was nothing that would have led to, with access to justice, and an attorney that is actually going to fight for you. Right. Um. Uh, there's no reason why somebody should. Say they're guilty, right? And 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 I do I do want to point this out. He did not plead guilty in his plea bargain. He pled no contest. He pled no contest, and, and that's better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is better. And uh, but, and yet, I'm trying to think. Does that remove the right to appeal? The answer is yes, I believe. I've got to double check on um, that. If it's yeah, no I'm contest. Because if there's a plea bargain, period, you're taking your rights away to actually appeal. You know, of course, it can be under duress and and whatnot, but you can poke holes into that. But it gets harder. Mm-hmm. The, the layers get thicker um, to penetrate um, to access justice because right there, they're being told, he's being told, death penalty, death penalty, death penalty. Well, I'd be worried if there was evidence. You know, then yeah. you might want to. You know, then you might want to think twice about it, right? You might want to think twice about it. But more, how many times do we come on this show, and and we talk about cases, not just like this, but we talk about circumstances just like this, where you have got young people that don't know better, are scared to death, they're being told they're going to get the death penalty, and even for things. That normally, if they were guilty, they wouldn't even they wouldn't have a chance of getting a death penalty. And plea bargain is made because of that fear, that duress. A plea bargain yes, is made yes. because this is what they were told. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, I mean, you know, being that young, never being in trouble. And, and you have an attorney telling you, "This is the best I can get you. You you should take this." You're not being. They never once told any of us what evidence they had against us at all. I never was told. I asked, you know, well, well, what's the evidence? Well, and, the attorney certainly should have found that out. And you, at that age, even though you were young, it sure sounds as though you were. Unfortunately, you, you know, savvy enough to say, hey, wait a minute, you, you know, what did I do? I didn't do this, right? Yes. Do you remember? Did anybody listen to you? No. And, and of course, whenever they went to question me, you know, I did ask for an attorney because I didn't even understand all of that at that time, but I'm glad I did. Um, all right. And, of course, any time the police would come in to try to talk to me, they had my mom in there. So not only am I scared to death as it is, but my mom's sitting there staring me down. And and I'm sitting there kind of shaking regardless because, I mean, 
she's wanting me to tell him I did it when I didn't. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that oh. I asked for an attorney. Oh, my gosh. Little did they know the evil deeds of your mother at that point. They might have just thought that right. you were a willing participant and this was all right. some kind of a conspiracy when, in fact, it's a conspiracy against you and Billy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, I mean, you know, anybody that has grown up with me and Billy or knew me and Billy before any of this had happened, you know, they they w- will tell you and they have been saying that him and I were innocent and and, you know, he's just, He's not that kind of person. He's not. He's not the kind of person that'll just go out and cold blooded kill somebody like that. Whereas, and how, how is mom, his family handling this? Um. Well, I. I not a I don't good really question to, speak to ask for them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't okay. really want to speak there for them, go. but uh. Okay. But I ask because I think goes, our listeners might want me to ask that, and you have every right yeah. to, you know. To the client to talk about that. It can be very, very personal. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's not the type of person to go out and, and do something like that where you have my mom who's going around bragging about doing stuff like this all the time. Right. And, and she actually does it. Yeah, she does. She actually goes and does it. And, I mean, <laughs> he's just... This was, and this so was something very your mom, what's it like with your mom now, the relationship with your mom? I don't have anything to do with her anymore. Good for you. And I don't, and, and I will say this, the times that I did go visit her in prison, I was forced to. I did not want to go see her. Understood. But I did. And Oh, who forced you to do that? Um... My grandma, she, she she was like, you need to go see her. You need to go see her. That's your mom. And, and I was like, okay, you know, and, and I did, but I didn't really want to, you know. And, and that's on your mom's side, your grandmother on your mother's side? Yeah. And my grandma, she, she had a hard time with all of this I'm as sure. well. And, and you I'm know. Sure she did. It just... You know, this is her daughter, and then her granddaughter's drug into all this, and you know, she wants to make and, the and best of her course. husband. Was a, not a good person. No. And it rubbed no, off but, on your mother. Yeah. Okay. Right. And luckily, you know, my grandma and grandpa were divorced for several years. Thank goodness. Okay. He he remarried before he died. We've got to but, get into him. That this might just warrant, you know. Yeah, like I said, three, quite three, <laughs> because we've got a yeah. long way to go still. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I mean, I, I can forgive my mom for everything she's done to me. You know, I would rather her do that stuff to me than to do what she did and take Billy's life away from him because he did he didn't do anything wrong. He he but didn't she, kill anybody. But she won't, even if anybody were to listen, 
she won't claim his innocence. No, she won't. She will not say that Billy is innocent. She is very um, all about herself and, and so how, making herself look good. So how is it that this person that was murdered was – how was he he murdered? How, did she shoot him to death? Did she – you know, what are – Shot him in the back of the head. She shot him in the back of the head. Pretty much point blank. And the only reason, yeah, the only reason I know that is because that's what the investigators were telling me. Okay. You know, and of course asking me, did you do it? How am I going to do it? Right. Right, and wouldn't there be some kind of DNA on you guys? You know what I mean? But I know you said it was the night before, but yes, that's why I asked why it was was the blood dry. Go ahead. Right, from the the reports that I read, um, he was believed to have been killed the, the night before his body was found. So he would have been killed the night before Billy woke me up to go to school. Okay. Because that day that Billy woke me up to go to school is the day we ended up at the motel and my mom put the gun to my head that night. How on earth did you even go to sleep? It wasn't easy. Uh, and I know it still is not easy. But you have, you're certainly overcoming it. So now you had nothing to do with this, and yet you still have the mark of being a felon. Or can that be, is that expunged? How does that work uh, for you? It actually is expunged off my juvenile record. I mean, you can still go to OSTN and type in my name, and it'll show, you know, murder first degree. And, uh, but then it'll say juvenile, but it's not on, when I called the office of juvenile affairs, it's not on there. Right. Right. If you, if you. But anybody who sees it, that would just automatically believe that when you were a juvenile, you had, you were rightfully convicted of murder in the first degree. And the reason you're out is because you were a juvenile. But the fact yes. is that you have nothing to do with this, and I don't know why. You could, pr- I think you could probably petition the court to seal that because you are a juvenile. It is sealed. It's sealed, but it, it just shows I was arrested for on OSDN. Oh, okay, okay. It just shows you were arrested for it. It does not show a conviction anymore. It doesn't show any details of it. It just shows okay. that I was charged okay. with it. All right, thank you. Thank because you for that. It, I'm sorry. Yeah, my records are sealed. My juvenile records are sealed. But it's right. important for me to be honest about that and come out with it because Billy's in there wrongfully. Right. He um, And you're fighting for him. Yes, I am. And, and we're with you. you know, 
Yes. And I'm very, very thankful for that. We've had um, getting involved in, in, you know, meeting you and Tina and and getting to know you guys and you guys hearing my story and, and, you know, being willing to help me fight for him. It means a lot to both of us because this is not justice. You know, where is the justice? whenever you're sitting there convicting three people for one person's death when three people could not pull the trigger at the same time. For one. And for two, that evidence, that evidence does not show anything leading to Billy. Mm -hmm. So in, in this, in this plight and in this, you know, mission to um, release him from this wrongful conviction. What have you learned about others that this happens to in in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. You find out a lot that you never would have imagined. Isn't that the case? Mm-hmm. Without trying yes. me putting mm-hmm. words in your mouth, but there's a reason why, right. you know, people are out here talking about this stuff. There's a reason why Tina's here. There's a reason why I'm here, uh, even though it was nothing to do with a conviction. Well, not, you, you know, but, the, you know, there's a reason why this group grows. It's a small world, but it's a big world, right? I mean, what have you learned about the system and, for instance, wrongful convictions? You know this is not a fluke. Right there, there has got to be some kind of sentence reform. There have been studies done and research done that these so-called violent offenders, um, that when they've done, you know, fifteen to twenty to twenty-five years, that they are less likely about ninety-five percent less likely to reoffend once they get out mm-hmm. but then you have these nonviolent offenders like your drug dealers and and mm-hmm. all them and you know they go in they do a little bit of time they come out well they go right back in it's like a revolving door Amen. And, and they they hold it more against the violent offenders but but i mean you know here billy is labeled a violent offender when he didn't even do it you know right and of course, when you go up to the parole board, I've, I've learned this, that a lot of times they're like, oh, murder, violent offender, no. And, and, and God forbid, even if you were a question mark, if you claim you're innocent, forget it. If you mm-hmm. claim you're innocent, no. That's like the big taboo. If you claim you're innocent, yep. then you have not redeemed yourself. Then you're still this, then you're still that. Then they're, you're basically saying the, court, the system was wrong. And God forbid. God forbid. We're going to stop there for tonight. I think it was really good of you to bring that last point up um, mm-hmm. because you just rallied and, and and advocated for all inmates, whether guilty or not. It's, you know, every situation is different. Um, yes, you know, they, nobody they is advocating for 
yeah, right. Nobody's advocating to get, you know, uh, serial murders out like your mother. Nobody's advocating right. for, uh, you know, pedophiles to, to uh, you know, uh, oh, just, you know, Captain Release. Nobody's advocating for anything like that, bonbons and, and, and pedicures and whatnot in prison. Nobody's advocating for that. Right, uh, right. Okay, so we. I need to go ahead because I got to close out the show. Um, go ahead. I just, you I just think that whenever somebody comes up for the parole hearings, that they need to look at it in depth instead of saying, "Oh, violent offender." Nope. You know, they they need to look at a case by case thing and and actually yeah. read about it or or dig into the case a little bit. Before. And, and we'll talk more about this. And we'll talk more about this yes. on this Thursday, except instead of 7 o'clock Central Time, it's going to be 7.30 Central Time. And Tina Gertz, it's, I want to thank you so much for... Uh, Tanya, it's going to be yes. Tuesday. Forgive me. Tuesday. What am I thinking? This Tuesday. Ah, thank God for you. <laughs> this Tuesday at 7.30. This Tuesday, there will probably be a third. I want to thank Tina Gertz for co-hosting with me tonight with Oklahoma's Incarcerated True Stories and how they got there. This is Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. I want to thank you, Jamie Moore, for coming on tonight and, and sharing these tragic events and your mission. And we're right there with you, sister. And thank you, Marty Yoke, TS Radio Network, Stephen Burke, 89.9 KLRB-FM. God bless. Thank you, listeners. Injustice Thank in Oklahoma you. at gmail.com. Injustice in Oklahoma at gmail.com. Hopefully, you'll tune back in this Tuesday. God bless and good night.